0: but like equals like. And basically what that means is if you're an email newsletter, sponsoring other email newsletters to drive traffic to your newsletter is brilliant, right? You know, if you're, I don't know, um, you know, an SEO company, right? Like trying to do SEO for your product, right? Is, is really good, right? So using the same mechanism and the same platform that you are focusing on. So for example, an SMS list, say there was an SMS newsletter, or an SMS community, and you wanted to grow your SMS list, you know, using the SMS newsletter to promote your SMS list is probably better than using email to promote SMS. Turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And
1: I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests? Stories or didn't happen? A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn the f*** up. Welcome back. Today I'm joined with Chase Demon, a top e-commerce email marketer. Chase has sent over one billion emails that have resulted in over $50 million in revenue. He runs an agency, Boundless Labs, which is a top e-commerce email marketing agency. A few of his clients he has, The Chai, Tushy, Original Grain, and Vinomaly, please. Please welcome Chase to the show. What's up, Chase? Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good. I'm excited to get you on. You've been following you on Twitter for a while. You've been dropping e- email marketing knowledge, and I wanted to bring it to the audience.
0: Yeah, I do appreciate
1: you having me. Cool. I want to get into first, like, how did you get into email marketing?
0: I got into marketing as a category, as its whole, you know, back when I was 13, kind of 14 years old. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and I was sick for about a year because I didn't know what it was. And none of my friends and family had any awareness of this disease. So at 14 years old, I had to teach myself after I started feeling better, you know, guerrilla marketing. So I taught myself guerrilla marketing, was able to raise tens of thousands of dollars and able to positively impact thousands of people's lives. So I did that for a while. And that was kind of my first stint in marketing. And then throughout college, I had to pay for my own tuition alongside my parents so I was doing jobs and internships. I was doing you know, SEO and paid ads and email and all these different types of things. And that's really where I found the love of, of emails in college, trying a bunch of things, a lot of things I really didn't like, a lot of things I was really bad at. And email happened to be the thing I happened to really enjoy. And I also became pretty good at.
1: That's awesome. And when was like the peak that you knew that like
0: you, you could be really successful in email marketing? There's been a a couple uh, times throughout that I had kind of hints of it and kind of bursts of it. And it wasn't probably until the past, you know, one or two year that I was actually like, oh, wow, I could do this at a really large scale. I mean, at my first job out of college, I got brought in to build a product that connected students on college campuses with others in their classroom. And we were able to acquire hundreds of thousands of college students over a relatively short period of time. So through scaling that platform, I built a little bit of confidence Um, on the side. My buddies and I, we bought a dating site and we were able to make it go viral. We were getting millions of visits to the website within the first couple of months, right? So that was another kind of boost of confidence. You know, I then scaled an email platform from zero to half a million subscribers in 10 months. Um, so kind of the accumulation of those, you know, opportunities and those successes, and obviously a lot of failures in between. I thought, you know, email is really the place for me. I joined the e-commerce kind of email marketing world about three, three and a half years ago. I've um, had a lot of fun ever since.
1: Awesome. I want to start off a question just to get this, the ball rolling on some impact questions. But
0: what are, what are most marketers and email marketers doing wrong? I'd say the biggest change from when I started an email to today, when I first started here back, this has been about five or six years ago, everyone used to just batch and blast their list. And they used to have no issue, no problem, Right. You could send to all 1,000 people on your list. right? You have 1,000 people. You could hit every single one of those people and be totally cool, totally fine. Today, it's the complete opposite. You'd rather focus on the 700 people out of the 1,000 that have purchased, that have opened emails, that have clicked emails, that have done these positive engagements. I think that's the biggest and the most confusing thing for people is inherently they think by hitting 1,000 people out of 1,000, They're going to get the highest opens, the highest click-throughs, the highest replies, the highest conversions, the highest revenue. um, Where in reality, you actually want to segment your list and hit the people that want to hear from you. That allows you to have longevity. I think that's probably the biggest thing that most people get wrong.
1: What advice do you give to people that are just getting started in email marketing? Like, What are some things to get off the ground running?
0: And Is this from the perspective of a brand or someone that's providing a service like an agency or a freelancer?
1: I would go with the the brand side of it, like someone who's starting
0: a product that wants to get into email marketing. Yes, yeah, so the first thing is you have to build your list, right? So how do you how do you do that? What's the easy way to do that? Is you leverage sign up forms, right? So whether it's a pop up, a fly out, or some kind of an embedded form, you have to collect the traffic and turn that traffic into an email. So that way you have some list to market to. So step one is collect email addresses, right? Step two then is once you're starting to collect email addresses start serving these people relevant content. So what do you send? You send a welcome series for non-buyers. Anyone that enters their email into a pop-up, whether it's for a 10% off offer, whether it's just to learn about the content, whether it's to enter into a giveaway, make sure that you're delivering that email and providing value. Value in the form of content and you know, education and value in terms of whatever the value proposition was that you promised. Um, aside from that, right, you want to send people things like abandoned checkout and abandoned cart emails. Those emails will perform well because people are engaged. They've made it through a good part of your funnel and they're almost about to purchase. So you want to take them from consideration into conversion. And then lastly, on the automation side, you want to thank people. If they've purchased from you, you you want to say thank you for the purchase. That reduces buyer's remorse. That will increase the bond you have with the customers. That will set up the ability to ask for a customer review and hopefully have that request granted. Um, so those are kind of some of the things, and then sending kind of ongoing campaigns, any kind of holiday emails, any kind of product launches, you know, any kind of special offers, etc.
1: I want to dive into like the anatomy of an email and what does it take to what does a good email have to have
0: in it to be able to perform really well? Kind of depends on the goal. Like, what is the goal of the email? Is it to educate? You know, is it to nurture? Is it to convert? Like. So dependent on the goal, that's how we construct the email. I'm also depending on the the assets the brands have available, right? Email, in a lot of ways, is only as good as the traffic comes through, right? If people are not qualified, you're not going to convert. Email is only as good as the assets and kind of the things that you have available. If you have really kind of wacky product shots or lifestyle shots, as hard as you try, the emails are going to be probably mediocre. So the inputs for email are so important for the output of the final product. Uh, but to answer your question, it depends. Are you sending a plain text email or are you sending a designed email, right? You're sending a designed email, a typical format from top to bottom is you have a logo, you'll have some kind of header image, you'll have some kind of text or a call to action, right? You might have some kind of subheaders, other body text, and that kind of format kind of just continues throughout, right? Other than the logo piece, obviously, you only want to have one logo at the top, but you could go like logo, image, you know, text, call to action, right? You know, image, text call action, right? Like that's the
1: typical format of a branded or designed email. That's awesome. And when you send out a, um, these branded emails, like, like what is more important, like imagery or copy, or like what are they equally important for this?
0: If, if emails brand or if in the difference of plain text versus and
1: kind of a, no, I'm email. just going in the branded email part, like, like what are like the, for imagery, like, what have you seen that are successful for imagery and like how important like, is getting the right copy into there? And like what should you
0: focus on first? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not like a one or the other. It's not like an, an or to me, it's an and. I think you know, the copy, the design, you know, the layout, right, the readability, right? The, the font size, right, the colors, all of those things really are important for the e- email to be cohesive. I mean, all those elements do help increase the conversion if done correctly. Um, But in terms of like the imagery itself, right? Like having really crisp kind of, you know, photography of the products is important. Having kind of some really cool lifestyle shots is important. Making people kind of have this aspirational feeling and this feeling of seeing themselves through the lens of the customer, right? And I also am a big fan of, you know, GIFs. I think having kind of some animation and kind of some, you know, intent and entertainment within email is really important
1: yeah i mean i i'm totally agreeing of like
0: the lifestyle and the feeling
1: part of it i think that's key to have emotion in there and have those people have an aspirational thing towards it i think that's like so key in just marketing in general playing the emotional piece to it one thing i wanted to get into is when someone is like launching a new product, like a drop day for a new product, what is the, the best day of the week for launching these new campaigns? And how early do you
0: start announcing it? So the, the day, again, like we have, we work with about 50 plus uh, e-commerce brands at our, at our company, at our agency. Um, and the, the specific day of the week and specific time of the week is really dependent on like where the list is based, right? If you have people here in the States, if you have them overseas. If you have both, right, West Coast versus East Coast. So I'd say some days to try are like the middle of the week, right? Like Tuesday through Thursday is probably good to try. Maybe trying in the morning at like 7 or 8 a.m., trying in the afternoon when people get off to work at like 5 or 6. I think those are kind of some you know, best practices, right? But I think you really do have to test and try for yourself to figure out what's specifically optimal for your brand. You know, in terms of product launch, we basically, if you have something that's already launched and you have the inventory, you want to kind of tease it, we'll do like a, a teaser email. So today, you know, whatever day it is, the teaser email goes out. Hey, Daniel has a heads up. You know, we're about to drop something really cool tomorrow. Or, hey, Daniel has a heads up. We're about to drop something really cool in a few days. Keep your eye on your inbox. You don't want to miss it, right? So we'll want to like hype and kind of tease the email. We'll want to do then the actual product launch. Hey, Daniel, the wait's finally over. Check out product X, Y, and Z's finally here for this new collections here. Go grab it before it's gone. You know, limited quantity, limited edition, whatever. You know, depending on how well that sells or how well it doesn't sell, you'll want to do a follow-up email. Hey, Daniel, reminder, you know, this product is new and fresh and great. And here's some of the early feedback we've been receiving.
1: What are some insights that you've seen that work inside the email to help convert these to sales like what are like some key points that you you recommend in a, a sales type emo or like a
0: product type emo when they to try draw them to your site to buy it depends like it depends on what the email is but you know limited limited quantity you know selling fast it's really leveraging like all of, like the fundamental psychology behind you know what makes people you know tick or what makes people you know Buy. It also depends on the product and the average order value, right? Like it's, it's going to be harder to try to get someone to make an impulse buy on an item that is $100 or more, right? But if an item is 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks, you know, playing to some of the psychology around this item selling fast, doing things like a countdown timer, right? This, this sale is only good for the next 24 hours, you know, setting up reminder and follow up emails, leveraging customer reviews or kind of press mentions. So it's really kind of assembling this email that answers and addresses the question, now, what's in it for me as a consumer? Like what is the benefit and who are the other people or how do I know that you're legit? Right. So if you can kind of break down each of the concerns that a customer may or may not have about your products within an email, it will be golden. That's
1: cool. Yeah. I mean, I think the main point that I'm also getting out of this is like how you have to deeply understand your audience in email marketing, because like, you have to actually dive in to understand when do they open emails? Like what, what type of emails do they like? What type of products? Like what emotional triggers work for them? I think if you don't have that part, you're probably screwed for the whole email marketing part. Yes. You wrote a tweet that I really liked about the 20 commandments of email marketing. What are your like, top
0: five out of those 20 that you would recommend? Oh man. I have to look at all the 20, but some of the ones like off the top of my head that I remember just to give a few are one, like treating your subscribers like with respect, right? So if you, you know, promise people to send once a week and you start sending every single day, you know, these people didn't subscribe to receive daily emails, right? So don't, don't spam them. You know, if the quality of your content is poor or kind of rubbish and not really up to par, you know, they're going to feel like they got spammed. So again, people subscribe to your list because you have something to offer. And they are interested in what you have to say. but keep it that way, right? Keep it clean, keep it crisp, keep people engaged. You know, don't oversend, don't undersend. Really deliver on whatever it was that they had when they first signed up, right? With whatever the expectation was. But I think that's one, right, in terms of like respecting subscribers. Two, right? Like I, I highly believe in testing every single thing you know imaginable. It is really important, though. With that being said, that you only test one variable at a time. Right? Like if you're testing subject lines, don't test the subject line. And then also the send time and also the copy, right? You have to isolate the variable so you know what moves the needle. So testing everything from subject lines to the length of the email, to the time that the email is being sent, to the actual copy, to the offer, to the preview text, right? Like there's a limitless number of things that you can test. So testing something is better than testing nothing, right? Even if it's a preview text test, try that versus not testing anything at all. I think subject lines, right, are low-hanging fruit. They're pretty easy to do. Don't take a lot of work. I think leveraging, you know, email automation is crucial, right? Having a really well-rounded email system and email program is crucial. So making sure that you are hitting people when they subscribe, making sure that you hit people when they abandon their carts, hitting people when they purchase, right? So these types of things, they're not set it and forget it, but they will work for you while you're doing other things. So set them up, let the data flow through, and then make improvement. so that way they get better over time, right? So that's I think that's three. One or two others. I, I already talked about this, so I'm going to go back to it, is leveraging list segmentation. You know, not blasting your whole list. You know, if you blast your whole list, you're probably going to end up in spam folder. It's not going to happen on the first time you do it, but if you consistently kind of hit your list through everyone on it, you know, you will end up in spam at one point or another. Whether it's in a week, in a month, in three months. So you really need to focus on segmentation, focus on the people that actually open your emails, the people that click your emails, the people that buy from you. And then aside from that, you yes, for five. I guess the other thing would be you know, for, for VIPs, right? Like if you have people on your list that are really engaged and spending money with you, take advantage of giving them early access. Take advantage of giving them special offers. Take advantage of selecting them to give you feedback on new products, right? I think leveraging VIPs in a way that makes them feel really special is really important. I think that was five.
1: Yep, that was amazing. Yeah, I think all those are key. And I think one of them I want to dive into and is the testing part of it. And how do you know that you have like significance of a test? Like, how do you know like it is like a test that is viable? Like, when at what point is that a Could you make a call like,
0: this worked versus that worked? Yeah, so I use Clavio, Clavio, however you pronounce it, um, for all of our clients. And say we're running a campaign, we could select whether we want an open rate test or a click-through test, right? So if we're running an open rate test, that typically means we're testing the subject line or preview text or the from name. We're testing a click-through, right? That's typically, we're testing the copy or the offer or the colors, right? So we will pre-select which variable we're optimizing for. And we will tell Clavio, you know, depending on our size of our list, send version A to 10%, send version B to 10%, and then send the winning variation to the remaining 80%. So we, we kind of plug this input into Clavio, and Clavio will then make the judgment call based off the data they have over the period of time that the test is running, right? You could run the test anywhere from one hour to, you know, X number of hours, right? So you probably want to have, you know, at least two to four hours of testing to make sure that you have enough time. And then it really depends on the size of your list, right? Like, you know, the bigger your list, the more that you get to test, the better. But some people, unfortunately, have smaller lists and doing some testing, even though it might not be statistically significant, is better than no testing.
1: Why do you think people should invest in email? Because a lot of people don't believe it and start chasing shiny new tools like paid, like, oh, TikTok and all these things. Like, why should they go in and invest in
0: email um, as a channel? I mean, email is such a, you know, tried and true platform. It's been around for, you know, however long it's been around, right? And it hasn't really changed. You know, obviously there are changes in their updates, but fundamentally it's still the same. Um, So it's something that's worked, you know, over the years. and something that will continue to work. And it's really the platform where you have the most control. Sure, you can't necessarily say, I want to be in the inbox 100% of the time, but you got to dictate when you send emails, you got to dictate what that all looks like. You don't have to pay to send an email every single time, right? You own the audience, and there's so much volatility on Facebook, on Instagram, you know, iOS 14, you know, CPM skyrocket because of elections, like whatever it might be. You know, we're not dealing with the same BS that everyone else deals with on top of the funnel on email. So it's really a, a tried and true platform. You know, it's a channel for conversion. I think Shopify was the one to put out data, but over Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Obviously, it's a huge buying time, so the numbers are a little bit inflated. But email was one of the top channels for conversion, right? I think it had like a 4% conversion compared to social and other channels were like 3%, 2%, 1%, right? So it really was the top, if not one of the top channels for conversion. Because people sign up for lists typically for, for offers, right? You know, You typically follow people on social for content. For email, you sign up for offers and education and other things.
1: How do you balance like the sales versus content type emails? Like, like, and also like, how do you, does an email marketer say like, we should go invest more in like newsletter, non-salesy type content versus sales? Because obviously some businesses are all about like, I want to see ROI from that channel. Otherwise I'm not going to invest in it. So how, what do you tell people about like
0: non-salesy versus content type emails? Yeah, I've been talking a lot about e-commerce. So I'm gonna take one step back and talk about like what I'm personally doing. So I've published a free newsletter every single week for like eight or nine months. So every single Monday, I just give value, value, value. And as I started doing this newsletter over time, I introduced paid products. So for me, my rule of thumb is two or three value-based emails for every one sales email. So I might, let's say, you know, two Mondays send, you know, kind of educational type emails, and then on a random Wednesday, I might push a sales email, right? So I'm trying, at least for my own content to give twice the number of value for every time I sell. With e-commerce going back into that realm, you know there's typically three types of emails. There's one, there's an educational email, just education, giving. there's on the other end, just a sales email, just selling, and then there's a hybrid, right? There's sell there's sales and education. So I think if you kind of can hit each of those three buckets in a given week, you're golden, right? Giving value, giving value plus selling, and then selling, right? so I think within e-commerce, right, because it's more transactional in in nature, you can kind of hit each of those buckets ongoing. I mean, it also depends too on like what you sell and like what time of the year it is and and kind of leveraging current events. So email is really fun because you can get creative and crafty and you can kind of really schedule out in advance the different buckets that you're hitting. So you can see, oh man, I have three sales emails lined up for this one week. Maybe we should pull one of them and put it into a different week. Instead of the three education emails you had lined up, right? So everyone has to find their own balance. But I think you have to educate as much as you sell.
1: Yeah, I love that. Educate as much as you sell. I think, especially. I mean, I'm in B2B, but it's even more leaning on the education. And a lot of brands are even opposite. They they talk 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 and not help help help, um, which is super annoying to see in B2B. But I think one thing I want to go click into a little bit is like. How did you start growing your newsletter? Like what tools did you start with? Like how did you start growing it and how did it
0: spread to the growth that it is today? Yeah, so for for me, I kind of felt shitty as an email marketer that I didn't have my own list. So when I actually had my daughter about eight and a half, nine months ago at the hospital, I literally told my wife like, hey, I've got the next three weeks off on paternity leave other than spending time with you and Shay. Now I want to start creating content and build my newsletter. But I literally like before my daughter was born, like hours before I was on my computer at the hospital, I literally just hacked together a quick Typeform, like a really basic, simple landing page on Typeform, And I literally just posted on all my social channels. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Hey guys, you know, I'm taking the next three weeks off on maternity leave. Now while I won't be working at the agency, I will be answering questions and kind of giving away value and content. This is something that's really important to me. Um, so I just really kind of hacked it together through Typeform, and you know, I had hundreds of people sign up. To my surprise, um, and it really became something that I'm now addicted to. I really love giving value. I really love helping, um, and I haven't missed a single Monday since April. Right, so eight nine months, however long it's been, um, and I just push on social, and as people like it, and as people share it, you know, it kind of just compounds and grows. That's awesome. Yeah, I talked
1: to. Harry Dry about this as well, about him growing his newsletter and some cool things is he's done is like he creates very like shareable things like, hey, if you're liking what I, I'm i doing, I would love to get you to share it on social. Um, no pressure or anything. But I think it's like really you're not really getting in the only value you're getting in right now is probably because you built it up is his email marketing course. But when you started, like that probably wasn't even like the, the goal of your newsletter, it was just like you were
0: interested in giving value out, yeah. So, for context, I started the newsletter in April of 2020, and I didn't start selling anything until October, November of 2020, right? So, for six seven months, I didn't sell anything, I didn't ask anyone to buy anything, or you know, I never pushed my agency on it. Like, so, I was very committed. So, let's say it was six months, I think it was six and a half to a month, but. That's basically 24 emails that I sent out through the period of that time where I didn't ask anyone to buy anything from me. I didn't tell anyone to do anything for me. I literally just focused on giving value. And as soon as I launched my first course, you know, people really supported me. I think I had a lot of really goodwill built up. I think a lot of people, whether they were interested in my course or not, bought it to support the things I had done for the past six or seven months prior, Right.
1: Just so for people to know, like, what are some things that you teach in the course that would help them in their
0: day-to-day as an email marketer? Yeah, I know you said that you're on the B2B. So as much as I'd love to have you personally take the course, it's probably not the best fit for you. The course really is perfect for e-commerce brands, as well as agencies and freelancers that work within e-commerce. Um, and the course itself is four and a half hours across 49 different video modules. So it basically goes through like the basics of setting things up, goes through 11 different flows, six flows on the pre-purchase side, five flows on the post-purchase side, goes through 12 campaigns, goes through segmentation, goes through email collection, best practices, you know, helpful tips. So it's really meant to help someone really build the foundation in the core of their email business that will hopefully help them achieve, give or take, hopefully about 20% of the revenue coming from email. And it's really the same thing that we do day in and day out for you know, our 50 plus clients at my agency. This has basically become our internal training when we onboard new people. I've got thirty employees on my email team, and everyone's required to take this course.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, it's good to know that you're using your course like as something that internal as well. Like it's not like something because a lot of courses out there just to like you could tell someone's trying to make a lot of money. But at least like you're just trying to provide the most value as possible. But obviously. You took years to get to this point, so you have to have some price tag to it, so to
0: become that people have stake in the game um, when they do. Yeah, and one other thing I've mentioned, and then we can move on, and we don't talk about the course. Is again not knocking anyone that isn't what I'm going to say, but for me, like I've been, you know, in the weeds, and I've been a practitioner, you know, and I've been an agency owner, and I've been a freelancer for you know five or six years, right? So it's not like I just created this course out of nowhere, right? Like. We've done we've done over fifty million dollars in revenue via email for our clients. This is stuff that I do day in day out. Like my agency is where I spend ninety percent of my time. You know, the course just happens to be something that's done well for me and done well for others. So that to me was really important. The fact that I am a practitioner and I do this and I'm in the weeds and I do all the things I tell you to do.
1: I mean, that, I mean that's important because I think there's a separating line here. Like that's part of the reason I created this podcast because and bring in people who are in the weeds because I think there is a big difference as someone who's been like currently in the trenches versus people who haven't been in the trenches for 10 years. Like I think like the trenches is where a lot of decisions happen. A lot of execution happens. Like the people who are, making strategies are just kind of, they they expect their team to execute. Like they expect their that email marketer to execute. They don't expect, they're not the ones touching email every single day. So I think that's crucial. What does a brand need to do to like, because email is just a one part of their strategy. Like what is like some other things that support email very well? Like what are some other channels that you suggest brands build up to support, make email even better
0: than it is? Yeah. So there's three mechanisms that I really believe in that every e-commerce brand has to to master and has to do. One, first and foremost, is paid acquisition, right? You have to have traffic coming through. You have to have leads coming through. Email is only as good as the traffic and the leads that you have. You know, if we don't have traffic, we don't have leads, we can't do email. Sure, we can set these things up and it could look great. But if no one's engaging and interacting with their emails, it's, it's useless, right? So paid social is really important. Uh, email, obviously, is really important. And then the last one would be CRO, so conversion rate optimization. So for every person that comes to your site, can you optimize slightly to increase that conversion, right? So if you're at a 1% conversion on purchase on 100% visits, right, or 100 visits, that means one out of 100 people is going to purchase, right? Can you get that to 2 3 4%? Um, because if you can, that incremental improvement is going to be drastic for you know, more sales, more email subscribers, et cetera. But I think if a brand can master Paid Social, email, and CRO, you know, they're going to be able to scale, you know, as quickly and as big as they want to.
1: One thing that I've seen as a trend as well lately is that a lot of like celebrity brands or like people brands are building a community first and then a product. And then it makes the product really easy to sell. Like they're basically building this community and then figuring out like what product works for their community instead of the opposite way, build a product and then a community after, which I think this is a pretty interesting trend. And I think I've seen it help email marketing too, because like you start building your list as you build the community, like you did kind of offer value as you go. And then once you've launched a product it's like it makes it easier because you have this built up audience to support it which is a pretty interesting trend that i've seen lately in like e-commerce space at least yeah 100% so, agree what about leveraging like other like partnerships to like grow your brand like in your email list like i know you said like giveaways and stuff like that like how do you leverage
0: those to like grow an email list yeah. So giveaways, I think, are like marketing 1.0, right? So giveaways, you know, everyone's doing them. I'm sure that they're great. And they really could be a hit or a miss depending on you have the right partners involved, you have the right incentives involved, etc. I think giveaways 2.0 is more, you know, intimate brand partnerships where they basically do a cross promotion. So what I mean is, say I have Chase Diamond e store and you have, you know, Daniel Murray e store, right? If we partner together and we have complimentary product, products and complementary audiences, but non-competitive products and audiences, right? If we partner together instead of saying like, hey, you know, enter to win Chase's product and Daniel's product. If we could literally hit our list and be like, yo, here's 20% off on Daniel's store. He makes the best X, Y, and Z go by, right? And Daniel's like, yo, to your list, here's 20% off Chase's product. He makes the best X, Y, and Z go by. I think that kind of, you know, evolution of like, partnering with other people instead of a giveaway where one person wins or three people win and most people lose. And you end up to put this really large inflated list of people that are just kind of worthless. Uh, having it be a lot more kind of direct response conversion focus is something that I think more brands should be doing. Yeah. I, that's really interesting to think about. Like I think
1: one thing that I seen really well, and I was in a B2B company that kind of ran their marketing like B2C. And one thing that, also was really successful but i'd like to get your thoughts on was like paid email so like partnering with someone who has like not like like a cross promotional product but more like partnering with a company or a brand that has your audience and basically paying them to send an email out like have you seen success and stuff like that before
0: yeah we haven't done as many like Email sponsorships or email drops, for lack of a better word. We haven't done as many of those lately just because, you know, if a brand's going to do it, that's typically something that they'll do, like on the paid acquisition side. That would be something on them or the paid social team. But there's a lot of really smart people that I follow and look up to that always talk about, I, I'm blanking on the exact quote, but like equals like. And basically what that means is if you're an email newsletter, sponsoring other email newsletters to drive traffic to your newsletter is brilliant right you know if you're i don't know um you know an seo company right like trying to do seo for your product right is is really good right so using the same mechanism and the same platform that you are focusing on so for example an sms list say there was an sms newsletter or an F- sms community and you wanted to grow your sms list you know using the sms newsletter to promote your sms list is probably better than using email to promote sms does that make sense like there there has to be congruency across the channels. um, And that's kind of what I've been hearing and seeing work for a lot of other people as well. Yeah. I
1: mean, one, like a good example is, is is like using a podcast to promote a podcast. Yes, exactly. Like I see a lot of people go on podcasts to promote their podcast, which is smart. And they go, the key also, I think is what you're saying is, I uh, also was like, you have to have the same niche as that that podcast, otherwise it's it's hard to do that. You have, to have that same audience, otherwise you're you're just getting kind of spammy to your list. I mean, some e-commerce it's a little different because yes. it's a little it could go a little broader, but there's still like a niche audience to commerce brands too, like that they're trying to tackle. How do you get people to like share your emails, your newsletter, like the shareability with the friends? Because I think word of mouth and dark social is literally, I mean, dark, dark, anything like where you can't really track it is like one of the best ways to grow. But it's one of the hardest ways to track. I've seen it with social media. I've seen it with other things that a lot of people just come in because of word of mouth. They don't. And someone shared it with them.
0: Yeah. So, what I've noticed in terms of, let's say, like, I'm talking about my personal content. You know, if I'm on Twitter, right, like, and I post really good content because I have a base following, if people resonate with the content, they're going to share it, right? You know, a lot of times I don't even have to say, hey, retweet this, right? This helped you. People are just going to retweet and comment and like the things that interest them, right? So, by knowing your audience and being focused on one topic for, for me, all I ever talk about is e commerce email marketing. I talk about running an agency and I talk about my family, right? So when I talk about e-commerce email marketing, a lot of people are following me for that content. So they want to share it because they want to help their, their friends. And I think today, like a retweet is basically saying like, Hey, I agree with Chase or I agree with Daniel. But I think I've been fortunate on social just to be finding the people that want email and they found me. And then also too, like, a lot of people have been telling me like, If I create a video or I create a content piece... You know they're sharing it and dropping into their Slack, right? So I really believe after you have some kind of base level audience by just creating really high quality content and investing into it. And I really do think you know, an underrated thing is the, about, the ability to create a lot of content at a high speed and high quality. You know, so I'm creating content every single day at a really quick space on things that are happening in real time. And I think people like it because it's very relevant. I think the more you can invest into high quality, relevant content and timeliness, um, I think your content is just going to inherently be spread.
1: I mean, that also brings a good point in like, well, how, how often did like, cause this happens a lot of like speed in like e-commerce for like different, like different, like having that foundation and that process in place to like capitalize on a lot of different things that are going on. Like, cause there's a lot of trends. There's also, a lot of mistakes made in email. There's a lot of mistakes brand made. So like, how important is it a brand to like have a process in the place to capitalize on like spur of the moment things? Yeah, it's huge. It's
0: it's so crucial. And again, it has to go back to like what you value. Like if you value being relevant and current and having a say and being involved and knowing how your community is going to feel, um, then it's huge, right? But if you're a little bit polarizing and you're not really sure, then maybe it's better to be a little bit slower and not so quick to react. So I think it just depends on like how brands view themselves and relationships that they do or don't have with their, their audience.
1: And one thing that I think that I want to get into also is like, how important is like, because a lot of people, and I have arguments on this all the time, but like the product quality, like towards it. Cause like a lot of people say like, oh yeah, the call, quali- I don't, it doesn't really matter like the quality, but I'm a big fan. Like I'm a big promoter and like you can't over a promise and under deliver, like in anything in marketing. But, like, how from the brands you work with, like, how important and how much easier it is for, to do email marketing if you, the product is like solid
0: and people actually want to Yeah, I mean, I, I think the recipe for success for a lot of our brands that are crushing it is good, pro, good product or at least good enough, right? It doesn't have to be the, the top of the top, but it has to be pretty good, right? It can't be a shitty product, it can't be something that doesn't work. Um, And we we don't typically work with brands that we don't believe in personally. So I think having a good product plus good service, right? If something happens or if people reach out, like being able to respond to them and help them, and being able to make sure that they get what they need and want, I think that's everything, right? So good product, you know, arguably great product, and really good or really great service um, in terms of taking care of the people that take care of you. To me, is the recipe for success.
1: What are like some quick tweaks, like for like? abandoned cards, or like receipt emails or stuff like that that could help a brand like that brand can make right now that could like help improve like conversions and stuff like that because i i know a lot of brands have like a, just a template that everybody uses that's best practices but like what are you seeing that is like that really works that not many people are doing today
0: yeah. I, think I mean, again, like it would be easier if we were looking at like good and bad emails for me to point out like where the optimizations and where the improvements lie. Um, that being said, right? Like I think there's a couple things. One is you have to test the time delay for some of our clients sending a abandoned cart email 30 minutes later outperforms it where you do it four hours later, right? Other times two hours outperforms a half hour, four hours, right? So I think testing the time delay is important. Um, I also think you know, testing the, the offer is important, right? What do people care about? Do they want a free shipping code? Do they want 10% off? Do they even need an offer, right? Um, and, and also having some kind of like testimonials and soldier proof within the emails is important. I think focusing on cross-selling and upselling more products is important. But I think there are a lot of different things that people should focus on. But without seeing a specific email, I wouldn't necessarily know like, what things to focus on with you. But I think overall, those are some of the things I would think about.
1: Yeah. And how many do you, like, I know this is probably going to go to not specific though, but how many like emails do you think someone should do for like welcome emails and abandoned cars? Like what is like the the sweet number you've seen? Like, and it could vary for brands, but like, what have you seen like is common around like the
0: e-commerce brands you've worked with? Yeah. The welcome series we typically push to have four about four emails that go out over the first week, week and a half of someone being on your list. And then for the event card, the event checkout, traditionally two to three emails is kind of the sweet spot.
1: Cool. That's awesome. And the last question I want to ask you before you can promote anything you want on here is if you could put one thing on a billboard for all email marketers to see, like what would
0: that one statement be? Oh man, I guess I'm just going to keep you know, really driving home this idea of segmenting your list, right? It's way easier to prevent yourself from going into spam than it is to get yourself out of spam, right? It's essentially like shooting yourself in the foot if you don't segment your list. And then having to recover from, you know, the bullet in your foot is gonna be a lot more painful than preventing, you know, your foot from getting shot, right? By segmenting your list, you're gonna do wonders for your deliverability and therefore your longevity of your business. And I just think too many people are not doing good just. Good enough
1: job with that well one follow-up question on that is like what are like some key things that you use to segment like your list like what are like some key like different segments you put out
0: for your list yeah so the easiest and low-hanging fruit is you know x number of days or x number of months engaged so 30-day engage for example someone's clicked or opened an email in the last 30 days um, that's one segment other segment could be based off gender you know, men versus women um, other segments can be based off geography, West Coast people versus, you know, the Midwest versus the East Coast, previous purchasers, right? I, those are kind of the the main ones that I would focus on.
1: The, you would probably like, it's a good idea to like put that pop up to have like another question, like to help segment as well. Like I'm guessing that would help as well. Like, like I see a lot of e-commerce brands like putting like, it's not like it's kind of an optional question, but it helps segment their list in the pop-up, which helps segment as well, which is awesome. Yeah, I think segmentation. I'm in marketing operations, so it's good to hear that you're a big fan (laughs) of segmentation. Last thing, I just want to leave you time to tell people where they can find you, where they can find your course, and if any
0: e-commerce brands are listening, where they could find your agency. Sweet. Yeah, I appreciate that. And by the way, someone's made it this far. Thank you guys so much for for listening to this conversation. Really appreciate it. Really, the best place to find me is on Twitter. Um, my handle is ecomchasediamond. There's no a in diamond. And if you could link my um, handle or something in the show notes or whatever, that'd be awesome. But go to Twitter. Shoot me a follow. Tons of free content there. Um, I have a link in my bio that will show other links. So join my free newsletter at the very least. And if you want to check out my course, check it out again specifically for e-commerce, direct consumer brands, agencies, and freelancers. If you're in SaaS, Info Products, B2B, don't bother with the paid course, but do check out my free content because I do think there are some things that are applicable. So Daniel, thank you so much for letting me shout those out. And thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, thank you. I think this is super valuable for e-commerce marketers. And I think one thing I do preach is like I think some of these things that you're saying in e-commerce could play well on b2b i I think there is segments like abandoned card is like a, a banded demo request like there's a lot of yep. like segment and welcome email is like someone subscribing to your list so it's definitely some parallels so thank you so much um i'm glad you came on and i'm excited to get this out thank
0: you, man. Thank you. have a great day
1: okay, bye.